Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Daniel Kahn. Daniel, a native of Detroit, Michigan, is a Berlin-based singer-songwriter, a polyglot poet and translator, and performs and records as Daniel Kahn and the Painted Bird, among others. Um, it's been written that the Painted Bird has brought Yiddish punk cabaret to rock clubs, festivals, and shtetls from Berlin to Boston, Leningrad to Louisiana and also to the stage here at the Yiddish Book Center for the upcoming Yiddstock 2019. Welcome, Daniel. Shalom Aleichem. Um, I've been... No, COVID is on the Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not a Yiddish speaker, um, so I'm going to be hard-pressed okay. to, to respond. It's, 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 an honor, it's, an honor, it's an honor to be with you. It's an honor and a pleasure and a long-awaited one um, to have you as a guest. Um True confession, as I think I said in my email to you, huge fan, and so enjoyed. You were here in Massachusetts in East Hampton at the small brewery, what, like six months ago? Yeah, yeah, that was a rocking show. That was a really good time. That was like, I have, yeah, it was crazy. Um, The small room filled with Yiddishists, who knew? Yeah, Uh, and but there were a lot of folks, like just local folks who came, and there was this great band that opened for us and it had a real like bar band feeling to it you know which i think works for for what we do we 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 love playing in all different kinds of venues you know uh big and small and but but really like an intimate show like that is really great it, yeah, it was it was a perfect venue, and it was a throwback for me to yeah the yesteryears in New York um, at the knitting club and stuff, um, and also the it coincided with our um, translation fellows workshop, so they were really happy to be able to trek on over there. Um, so it was kind of yeah. anyway, it was really a fun evening, and your music is just uh, brilliant. It's, which leads me to my first question, which is um, I kind of gathered that you first heard. Klezmer in New Orleans, and I wanted to ask you, what drew you to that music, and ultimately, how does that inform your work? And I want to want to say at the outset that I'm careful or mindful, I think, about not imposing klezmer, klezmer as defining your work, but we can get into that later. Oh, well, that, that's okay. I mean, you know, <laughs> Klezmer historically referred to the musician rather than the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... Uh, you know, it's a big influence on, on the music that I make, and I feel that, um, apt or not, it's, it is one of the monikers which defines a community that I take very seriously that's a very important family for me. Um, the community of the so-called Klezmer Revival, and the Yiddish arts and culture movement, um, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a category that, that certainly applies. Um, and it's a music that I enjoy making and I enjoy hearing. Uh, but if by klezmer, yeah, we mean like the broader category of contemporary Yiddish culture, I, I, I have no problem with, with applying that. And yeah, it's, it's one side of what we do. You know, musically, I wouldn't say that we're a traditional klezmer band. Um, and... I try not to take those borders very seriously between musical styles or influences. Um, from from the very beginning, the thing that appealed to me about klezmer music and then the broader 
Yiddish cultural scene was its openness um, and uh, its focus on on the music and the message um, uh, and, and, and the quality of that. So what turned me on to klezmer music when I first heard it in some bar in New Orleans when I was still in school, I think. I went down there to visit some friends and I heard the New Orleans klezmer all-stars. It just, it was infectious in its funkiness, in its, in its uh, unexpectedness, in, 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 in uh, at the same time a very, I had a kind of, um, uh, pang of recognition. <laughs> um, it's, it was something that touched me, that, that spoke to me. Um, but it was also something that was, you know, deeply different than the American music that I was familiar with. Um, and as a songwriter, uh, particularly someone who was interested in the lyrical poetics of social justice and, and fo folk music um, and folkiness in composed music. Uh, when I got into Yiddish song, I found resonances with interests that I already had. Um, and that just drew me, yeah, further and further into the scene. Moving to Berlin deepened that connection too. And I think it's safe to say um, that Yiddish sort of language, literature, and culture, food, every, you know, all aspects of it are always evolving, and they kind of borrow from place. They're, they're cosmopolitan. And that's what I find exciting about your work is it draws on those roots, and then it, it reimagines them and regenerates them in interesting ways. Well, yeah, I, you know, Yiddish, like English, is um, a language which takes in from dozens of other languages. Uh, it's uh, a language of migration. Uh, it's a language of um, great periods of upheaval, social upheaval. It's, it's, it's a thoroughly modern language, even though it, its roots are thousands of years old. Um, and so in exploring that, you can explore the tension between languages, the tension between cultures, between eras. Uh, and uh, it, it, I think you're right that it's cosmopolitan. It's, it's, very, it's a very urban culture or urbane. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I think it has something to say, you know, uh, I think it has something to say to the world today. Well, it's, I mean, it's infused um, with Jewishness in, in the way that, you know, songs of protests, the songs that speak to labor movements, which are both past, present, and future, have relevance. Um, and so how do you give voice to that? How do you weave that into your work? Well, I, I try to find songs that have a relevance to our world, today um, that have um, that, that rhyme with the present even if they are a product of, of a deep past um, I think that it can be heartening to 
learn that many of the problems we face in the world are not new, even though they feel new. Um, a lot of these songs remind us of hardships that that folks struggled with and resisted uh, long before us. Um, and that can, I think that that can give strength. Uh, I think that it, it shares with us some strategies of, of human connection and resistance, resilience, uh, that are totally useful. At least they are to me. And I, I think they are um, to others. You know, as much as I enjoy playing Yiddish music within a Jewish context, I'm, I'm very excited to bring Yiddish content into broader contexts, um, into conversations about migration, about liberation, about justice, poverty, um, about gender. Uh, these are conversations that are going on, on all around us right now. Um, and I think that this cultural heritage has a particular place in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think you're absolutely right, and it's something that we're so keenly aware of here, is that there's a, a universal story and we're, you know, Yiddish uh, cultural production in the songs and the literature and the poetry, it's all part of that. But there are similar experiences for the immigrant, for the worker, um, yeah, that touch on a lot more broadly um, things that are happening. And as you say, that happened before. I had a history teacher who always said, nothing's new, kids. Um, yeah. In, yeah. you, you did a you recorded an oral history with um, for us uh, with the Wexler Oral History Project, and there was um, yeah. there was a line that I loved that you had, and I wonder if you could expand on it a little bit. Um, and mm. you said, "There's something about Yiddish. It shouldn't be folkloric, sentimental, nostalgic." And I yeah. love this. I love this concept. <laughs> well, yeah, I remember something that Theo Bacall Oliver Scholem said. Um, he said that when people ask him, uh, isn't uh, singing Yiddish songs and, and sort of um, breathing life into Yiddish culture, isn't, isn't that very nostalgic? And he said, he said, we are Jews. We are not a people of nostalgia. We are a people of memory. <laughs> um, and I think that there's a, I, in some ways, I think uh, nostalgia is the opposite of memory. Um, because memory dives into the the complexity of, of, of history uh, and and the, the the humanity of it, and nostalgia has a way of um, kind of glossing over that humanity uh, with an imaginary past which never really existed, <laughs> um, and so. Uh, I, I resist that, and, and I, you know, there, there is certainly a lot of nostalgia in Yiddish music. There's there's kitsch in every culture, and that's okay. Uh, there's uh, 
you know, there's there's a there's a place for that, but I also, um, when I can, I like to go through that something a little deeper, maybe a little more confusing. Which, uh, which is what you know what resonates about your music. It's it's informed by by the past, um, but it speaks to the present, and and you you have a very strong voice in there, which is. Really, um, I mean, it, it reminds me, and I know everybody's probably made these same comparisons to Kurt Vile or Leonard Cohen or a or a Dylan, and in, in that this is music that speaks broadly about um, you know resistance and uh, their ballads. Some of them are drawn from old poems. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I uh, just as you called, I was at work um, studying and translating. Uh, an old Yiddish poem uh, by Aaron Seitlin. Um, and I, uh, I, you know, I, I love what the, the focus that the Yiddish Book Center puts on translation, mm-hmm. um, uh, which uh, is not, you know, I don't think that that's antithetical to learning the Yiddish language and living within the Yiddish language, I think the translation is a is a the gateway to that. My first engagement with Yiddish song, um, as I was learning to sing Yiddish, was to then translate it and use my sort of my flex you know, like my, my, my faculties as a as a an English songwriter to create English songs out of Yiddish songs. Um, and then to sing them in both languages. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it, it's something that I, I don't know, I, I hold it very, very, very close to me. My, my wife is also a translator. Uh, there's something for me that's, that's, uh, kind of subversive about translation. <laughs> you know, if we don't translate things then they, they remain sort of imprisoned in their cultural context. Uh, and it's important that Yiddishkeit not be exotified, uh, that it that it be allowed to communicate with people even if they don't speak Yiddish. Um, so, I, and I, you know, I also have been translating songs into Yiddish, certain songs that that seem to want to also be in Yiddish. I don't know. It's a hard criteria, but you know. I, I've even been working on some Bob Dylan stuff lately. Ah. <laughs> so it, was there one sort of pivotal moment that kind of coalesced all of this or sent you in a specific or a, a direction that, that continues to unfold, I guess? Well, um, yeah, I, it, you know, my very, besides being exposed to klezmer music in New Orleans all those years ago, uh, my first encounter at Club Canada with artists like Michael Alpert, Adrian Cooper, Alan Byrne, uh, Frank London, you know, uh, my getting to know folks in, in my generation who have become the closest of friends and colleagues like Sarah Gordon, Michael Winograd, Jake Schulman-Mend. Um, 
the, those were the, the, you know, yeah, those flashpoints were interpersonal. And, you know, the first time I ever heard Brave Old World perform, the first time I ever heard uh, Adrian sing Voltech Gahat Koyach, those were life-changing moments when I realized that there was something so vibrant and alive in this in this movement um, that these spaces of Yiddish creativity were not it wasn't about learning about a, a static or dead thing it wasn't about the learning about the past it was about um, using the past and using this material to create contemporary culture and to express ourselves in the world today. Um, and I think that that's what, um, that's what the best artists in any movement, in any scene, in any community will be doing. Um, but particularly to engage in Yiddishkeit as um, a dynamic part of, of, of a Jewish culture today that is not only for Jews, but that is part of the, the broader cultural scene. That is, um, that was incredibly inspiring to me, um, and it still is. And it's it's quite apparent in your work. You you collaborate, and I'm curious to ask about your collaboration with Eric Drucker. Drucker. Oh yeah, okay. Eric, yeah. Drucker. Drucker. Um, Drucker yeah. Okay. Um, uh, the visuals are great. And again, they just they bring something else, another dimension that brings it into the current or the present, I should say. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, Eric, um, I've been a fan of his work for 25 years. He, you know, his illustrations or illuminations of Ginsberg's poetry, um, his his legendary posters from the punk rock scene on the Lower East Side in the 90s. Um, I remember having punk rock zines that had his images in them. I know people who have Eric Drucker tattoos. Um, I got to know Eric uh, in the Bay Area. I was introduced by um, our friend uh, um, Ana Torres, who knew him. And Eric and I just hit it off. And I, I sort of always knew that I would love to have him do the artwork for an album of ours. And when this record came along, The Butcher's Chair, um, I approached him and said, hey, would you like to do the cover? And can we use some of your old stuff? And he adapted some of his old stuff for us. And we curated the, the booklet together. And he did the cover. And then when we knew we were going to be taking it on tour, he, had, he offered that we would be able to use his images and some simple animations of his images to accompany the song. And um, my wife, now at the time she wasn't yet my wife, Yeva Lepsker, um, she very lovingly and artfully uh, crafted the, the visual display along with translations and text, um, which are very useful um, when we're playing in, whether it's in, in, in Germany, we'll use a lot of German translations. In, in America, we'll have English for the Yiddish, but then we'll also sometimes project for people to sing along with it. Um, it's, 
the way she does it is very um, very thoughtful, and, and it's it's really an integrated part of our performance. Yeah, um, so yeah we're 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 going to have it uh, at the book center. I'm looking forward to that. So um, yeah, um, it's uh, you know Eric's style draws from the like kind of the Ashcan school, uh, 1930s woodblocks and sort of uh, like left graphic arts, um, but it's also extreme, like you know, very contemporary. He he does a lot of uh, New Yorker covers, things that are very topical, very current. Um, you know, and Eric, <laughs> like me, you know, he's a he's a pretty left wing guy. You know, I think he has an anarchist heart, and he uh, he and I were we would have these long talks on the phone when we were figuring out what what images to use and this was right this was i guess a couple of years ago it was already the trump era i hate that we have to name an entire era after after this but uh he you know he he asked me he said so dan you've been you've been singing about fascism for 15 years now and he, you know, Eric has certainly been making poster art about the the rise of fascism in our society. Just, how does it feel to have everybody else talking about that now? And I said, uh, it feels like shit. <laughs> you know, the the worst thing to uh, to have been right about. Um, and and you're also you're also going to be performing with Sarah Mina Gordon. And I wonder if you could yeah. talk a little bit about that collaboration. That collaboration is, I'm really looking forward to this. She and I are the best of friends. We're, we're very, very close. And we have never done a whole set, just the two of us together. You know, like she um, grew up, she's Adrian Cooper's daughter. And so she grew up steeped in Yiddish song culture, Yiddish music. Um, but she and I are also like, Died in the Wolf folkies, you know, a real like American singer songwriter uh, folk fans. And so, in contrast to the set with the Painted Bird, um, which Sarah hopefully will join us on also, um, uh, you know, because she sings lead on one of the songs on on, uh, on the last record. She sings on Arbit of Freyan, and she has guested on a number of our records in the past. Um, our set together is going to be much more songwriter-oriented. We'll be playing some of the Yiddish songs that she's written, some of the Yiddish songs I've written, some songs that uh, I've translated into Yiddish. We'll be mashing up some songs, and we'll just be singing some, some old Yiddish folk songs. It probably won't be as political there's a lot of love songs, a lot of life songs. Uh, maybe the Bob Dylan will be done by then. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that'll be really beautiful. A lot of just simple two voices and a guitar arrangements. And, uh, yeah, it'll be a nice Sunday set. And a uh, quick last question for you. Is there any one song, poem, or piece of text that's uh, sort of sent you in a different trajectory or caused you to 
kind of wax poetic? Huh. <laughs> you mean right now for me? You know, in in the in your in your life uh, as to date. Well, I I don't know. I can only talk about what I'm working on right now. Okay. Uh, I I um. It's a pretty good example of my uh, how things happen. So I've been um, working on setting poetry, Yiddish poetry, to music um, as part of the Yiddish Summer Weimar program that I'll be in this summer um, to be performed there. So I've been looking at a lot of uh, poetry from the 20s and 30s, or really the 20s, uh, focusing on the the Weimar Republic period. Um, and so I, I've been translating, not translating, I've been setting a, a poem by Aaron Seidlin, who's uh, who was a, a wonderful, crazy poet and playwright, um, called "This Leap from Lisbon International," and the, the song of the last international. And as I was working on this, I got an email from a friend in New York who had come across a Yiddish poem by Seidlin that was in Jewish Currents, which is a, a magazine that I really I'm a fan of, mm -hmm. and someone had published their English translation in there, and she sent me the email and said, "You have to sing this," <laughs> and I and I had even re I had even read that when they published it, and I thought, "Oh, that's a nice poem," but it never occurred to me to sing it, and so I said, "Oh, let me let me see," and so I sat down this weekend and I um I started fitting a melody to it and a little chord progression, and, and then once I started to be able to sing it, I wanted to be able to sing it in English also, so I did a little translation that's singable, that's different from the one that was published. Um, and yeah, now I'm thinking about this song. So it, It's a beautiful poem. It's called Zex Shuvis, Six Lines. Um, it's extremely dark. It says, Shveis Keiner darf mich nicht auf dem Eulen, mich werter Bettler auf dem jüdischen Besäulen. Wer darf ein Lied und noch dazu auf Jüdisch? In, in translation. Nur bloß das Hoffnungslose auf der Erde schein. Und gettlich ist nur das, was muss vergehen. Nor is um, It's a beautiful poem. I, I, I don't want to give you my English yet because it's not okay. quite ironed out. But. Okay, forgive me for jumping in with that that question, but I'll look for I'll look forward to the translation. So thank you. Thank you. Um, and we can't yeah. wait. Uh, you're going to kick off uh, Yidstock 2000. 19 here at the Yiddish Book Center on July 11th at 8 p.m. And you're also in concert with Sarah Mina Gordon, as I mentioned, on Sunday the 14th at noon. And you will be around throughout Yidstock, which we are delighted, thrilled, and can't wait to welcome you here. Thanks a lot, Lisa. I'm really looking forward to being there. Okay, and thanks for everything you do. Um, and take care, and again, thanks for taking time in Berlin to have a chat with us. Be well. Uh, I thank you. Thank you. Bye.
You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon. Thank you.